0: Amber, we are blessed. You are the blessing on Sunday mornings when you're here. Can we give her some more love? Thank you. She steps up every time we ask, unless she's got something something very vitally important. So it's true. Our uh, annual theme is "Awake and Alive." We thrive. And the June topic, we have a new topic every month, is loving and loneliness. And uh, today, my topic is love trumps loneliness. I almost thought it should be self-love trumps loneliness. um, Because that's probably really where we're going today. As a matter of fact, it is where we're going today. Um, I looked up the word trump. Not loneliness, not love. We kind of all know what those are and what they feel like. And, you know, lots of people made presidential jokes when they heard that I was using that word. It's so funny. Trump has become that word. Um, (laughs) In the card game of bridge or whist, the trump card is the most powerful card in a round and it defeats all the others. Sort of like when your needs or wishes trump someone else's. And I do mean that in this topic, that love trumps, it defeats all others, it defeats loneliness. When I was uh, looking for a way to kind of ease us in, laughter is always the best way to start. And I was mining, where? The internet, of course, for some sort of Uh, Joke that I could bring to you some sort of way to get you to laugh. Well, apparently we, as a society, take our loneliness seriously. We don't joke about it much. So let me let you let me expose you to what I was able to find. Mind you, there were very funny jokes, but they were all sexually inappropriate for a service. How do you know archaeologists are lonely? Nobody. They're always coming up with new dating techniques. <laughs> Why was the roof lonely? It was shingle. <laughs> and finally, to end the suffering, <laughs> what's the worst thing about being lonely? <gasps> Playing frisbee. <laughs> Okay, it's over. (laughs) You laughed appropriately. Those of you who did laugh, did you notice for a second that everything felt good while you were laughing? It took just a laugh to pull you from ordinary to extraordinary for just a moment. So loneliness, what it is and what it's not. Anybody want to shout out some words that have to do with loneliness? What is loneliness? Sadness? Sadness. Empty. Empty, sense of emptiness. How about feels like something's missing? Something's not right. A lot of us have this kind of subconscious sense that something's broken, not working right. Something's not right. And we can't, and we want to fix that not right. It's not just the car's broken, it's a deep need to get away from that feeling, oftentimes, when we have it, if we're not accustomed to it, if we haven't made peace with it. And many of us that are clued into the news this day, these days, um, have heard loneliness is on the rise. Have you heard that recently? On the inner, a lot of it, it, they are, there are some camps, let's just put it that way, that are blaming technology for the increase in isolation and loneliness uh, on the planet. But I will tell you that I looked a little further and I read a little deeper and what I found was that the people on the internet who are merely scrolling and not engaging, that's where the loneliness is happening. The people that tend to engage on Facebook and not just lurk and see what's up with so-and-so and occasionally say happy birthday at the right time, who are actually offering up what's going on with them and getting back what's going on with somebody else, those aren't the ones where the loneliness is on the rise. I have a mother who suffers from agoraphobia, and that means that she doesn't leave her house much. She goes to the grocery store and her doctors, and that's it. And she has an international group of friends on Facebook. The advent of Facebook for her has been life-changing. It has um, made her feel like she's a part of the planet again. And the shift in her has been dramatic. So I'm not saying that all technology, but technology is a part of the loneliness problem the loneliness issue, keeping your head in a computer. A lot of our work has converted to some engagement with writing on a computer, writing emails. We don't have the warmth, the presence, the face-to-face going on. We are physical creatures. We need each other, not just across a computer screen. We need that energy coming towards us, which is sorely lacking even on Skype. I do like to see how people's houses are decorated, but when I need to sit face-to-face with somebody, I need a person. So I'm just going to read you some statistics that I ran across using one of the best-known tools for measuring loneliness, the UCLA Loneliness Scale. We've come to that. Um, Cigna, it's an insurance company, surveyed 20,000 adults online across the country. Their tool uses a series of statements and a formula to calculate loneliness based on the responses. The scale ranges from 20 to 80. People scoring 43 and above were considered lonely, with a higher score suggesting a greater level of loneliness and social isolation. More than half of survey respondents, 54%, said they always or sometimes feel that no one knows them well. Just reading that statistics makes me a little weepy. Um, 56% reported sometimes sometimes or always they felt like people around them are not necessarily with them. They're not present. We're not bringing our presence to each other as much. And two in five felt like they lack companionship, that their relationships aren't meaningful, and that they are isolated from others. The survey found that the average loneliness score in America is 44, which suggests that most Americans are considered lonely on some level. That's interesting. I read that and I thought, well, I don't feel lonely. A lot of the time anymore but I was part of it. It has been linked with a higher risk of coronary heart disease and stroke and when I think about heart disease, are you making the bridge that heart that's isolated and alone? Um, it makes sense that it would be uh, related to that. So, so those are interesting statistics. <laughs> it's interesting that the lonely are not alone. That there are a lot of lonely people in, hanging out in just the United States. And it's interesting to me that we still, they, they um, talk about companionship a lot as an ease for loneliness, as something that, you know, having companionship. But we all know that you can be around some people and be lonelier than if you were alone in the midst of somebody. Anybody ever been with someone like that? You're more lonely in their company? I would posit here that that sense of loneliness when we're around people that aren't treating us well, usually it's because they aren't treating us well, they aren't being present. The loneliness isn't because they aren't being present. The loneliness is that we're not being present and available enough for ourselves to take us out of that situation. Right? That we keep ourselves in a situation where there's not a presence coming towards us, an unavailability unavailabil- an to us. You can't feel seen in that kind of environment. Right? So, I am not talking about being alone because there are lots of people, including me now, that I've really come to terms with my introversion and I'm not ashamed of it anymore, who, um, who actually like being alone. We don't feel lonely when we're alone. So, we weren't built to be isolated or lonely. That's not our natural state. Quantum physics tells us that we live in a world of relationship. That we live, we are animated across a field of light and information that is intrinsically connected. Just blinking, I'm watching all the eyes blinking in the audience because I have this little thing that I say that just blinking sends a waft of air into the universe. Just the action of your eyelashes meeting each other changes the whole molecular structure in your nearby environment. That's at the molecular level. There's a whole level we can't even see that is our relatedness to each other. That is, I was just thinking about you. It's so great that you called. I had this funny feeling something was going on and my grandmother called me and told me she slipped and fell. And then there are those things that stretch across the continent that some of us can get headaches or reactions when there are earthquakes. You know, barometric pressure changes. There is no way out of the oneness that we are, the relatedness that we have, the connectedness that we are. The only way out is to deny it, right here. The only place that disconnection can happen is right here. You can never be separate. You can never be alone, whether you agree with it or not. It is the truth. As a matter of fact, it is really hard to prove I think it's almost impossible. I I haven't explored that philosophically yet, so don't challenge me on it. But um, to prove that you're alone. There's more proof that you're connected to all that is. Believing or even mildly entertaining, thinking that you are separate and that no one wants you that you aren't important or significant is enough to blind you to how intrinsically woven into life you actually are. We need your light. God has shown up here one time and one time only as you. And not only just as you, but as you in the mirror today and then you in the mirror tomorrow, And then you, in the midst of your mother, your father, your workmates, your dog, your front lawn. That there's every second, there's an iteration of God as you happening. That's not like any second that came before it. We live in a world of miraculous beauty and wonder and awe. And somehow built in the tension of being human over years somehow, we've made it very easy to forget all this. It's only been five minutes, but there's been an inward journey into the connectedness of all that felt timeless to me when I was in it with you. Did it feel that way to any of you? Yet, we spend... A lot of time not being in that, not being in our natural state, that state that feels so good, that state that connects us to the truth of what and who we really are. Somehow we are hypnotized and we somehow find more proof for the voice that says, I can't do it, I'm not attractive enough, I'm too sensitive. I'm too large. I don't have enough muscle. I don't have enough skill. No one's ever loved me anyway. I could stand up here and probably hit at least one thought for every person. Interesting though, right? I've said just a few of those thoughts and we probably are starting to get a little uncomfortable and when's she going to get to the good stuff, right? I I was saying that for maybe a minute, I was talking about that. And the point I'm trying to drive home as if in, (laughs) drive home, is when we're very honest with ourselves, the neighborhood that we live in inside has a lot more of that kind of talking than, wow, the day is amazing. The sun is so bright, I love the contrast in the air. That's an availability for what's right here in front of me. But for loneliness, I was talking with my wife on the way up here, because I love to just keep writing sermons in my head and hashing them out, and we were talking about, um, I lost it all of a sudden. You can't tell me what we were talking about because we talked about so much on the way up. Loneliness, loneliness, loneliness. I'll come back to that. Um, So I will go back to the part about enoughness. Oh, that's right, there it is. Loneliness isn't about, isn't like when you've lost a job Right, something's missing. We're going on the loneliness is something's missing. So when you've lost a job, something's missing. Something's broken. Something's happened. But you can go out there for a job. There are jobs to choose from and jobs to try from. Right? When you have need of a new car, you had car troubles. You've got when you need money. You can go. All that stuff. You can do mind treatments and and. Um, Go to the place of God as abundance, God as the source of circulation. It those situations put you in contact with other people, right? Somehow the money's gonna come towards you. Somehow the car will show up. Somehow you will find housing and a job and you will have this sense on the external level of being taken care of to a certain degree, if you can find the worthiness inside. But when we get to loneliness, That is an inside job. We try to do loneliness like we do the missing car, the missing job, the missing whatever, and we go towards a person, right? We think that having a person there is going to get rid of that that missing piece. What is missing? And oftentimes when we reach out from that place, What comes back to us, because everything is a mirror of our consciousness, is that relationship that we end up saying at the end of, how did I stay in that so long? Or the person that, they just seem to use me a lot and I'm drained. So why would that be? What is that a a mirror of in consciousness when we tend to draw that to us? me. The one I'm waiting for isn't you, it's me. There is a saying from the Buddhist, that wonderful, deep, open heart you're waiting for is inside of you. And I know that it can be challenging when you're convinced that it's got to come from out there. We're all conditioned that it should. And so there have to be some starting points and some willingness and there has to be some patience and some more patience as you evolve through this idea that you're not enough. When you reach out and try to have something come towards you from that place of not enough, all you can get is less than enough. Right? And you will try harder to be enough and you will never be enough for the situation because what you want is you. What you want is that love inside. You want to find that thing when it's coming from you, when you have found it, then everybody you engage with, the friends you attract to you, the friend you become, is a multiplication. Nothing is subtracted. You are in this life to be the fullness, the expanding creativity. Source is working uniquely, succinctly through each of us as though we were colored thread in a tapestry. When you try to be orange and the divine meant green, there's going to be this weird green thread where the orange thread should be. It will be not only uncomfortable to you, you all get what I'm pointing to there, but it'll be uncomfortable to everyone who's looking at it. We all know that orange goes where orange goes and green goes where green goes. Similarly, we know when we're in the midst of inauthenticity. Right? And when we're not being our true selves, and we have people coming towards us, there's no way to feel seen and loved and connected because you're not there. Do you see? You have to show up as the you you are to feel seen. You have to be seen. To be seen, you have to be as you were created. And I know that a lot of us, many of us, I don't know how many anymore, um, had childhoods where the message wasn't, you're wonderful, you're the gift to the earth, you are magnificent and all-powerful, and you can do anything you set your attention on. Just be honest with yourself about whether or not you really want to do it. So I wonder what it would be like if we lived in a world where when we ran into loneliness, we started to get curious. And I'm not just saying loneliness. Anything that's painful. Where we didn't just start to move towards something that would divert us. Right? Any kind of addiction is diversion from the discomfort food, friends, people with high drama are wonderful diversions from loneliness. And they only increase your sense of loneliness, I guarantee you. High drama though, if you're looking for a temporary fix for your loneliness, go for that. It really, it's effective. And if you're willing to get curious and start with what's missing, What do I think is missing? So really there is nothing that could be missing from you. All the magnificence, all the spiritual, all the goodness that you're ever going to be was there when you were born and it's going to leave with you. What you leave behind is the evidence of how deeply you believed that you were magnificent and that you were part of a God that knows only good and is expressing that goodness through you right now to the degree that you will allow it, to the degree that you're willing to believe that this goodness of God was installed the minute you drew breath. The word inspire is in breath, right? In spirit. When we inhale, we're bringing spirit in. That is that bringing in every moment. We're refreshing spirit. Spirit. And we don't even know it. We don't think about it. We're not present for that. Meditation is an opportunity to be present for that. But where I'm going is that this goodness of God exists in you right now. I have no doubt about it. I have no doubt about it right here in me. There is no spot where the goodness of God is not And if I am perceiving otherwise, it is a filter that's stuck up here. And one of the ways to get those filters to drop, to ease, to crumble, or to dissolve is to get curious. What do I think is missing? What would feel better than this? Well, having somebody here right now would feel better. Well, if they were here, what would you do? Why do you need them? I want to know that I'm loved and I'm interesting. I need to know that people care about me. And how would that look? Well, they would, whatever, you know. We would talk about how wonderful it was. Oh, you know, you can listen to yourself and what you want from out there and see how you're not agreeing that you just did a wonderful thing at work. You want somebody else to tell you how good you are for it. But will you agree that that was the goodness of God expressing as you, that success? Will you claim that magnificence there? Because I'll tell you, when you do, it feels really great. And we've all had moments of, of letting that magnificence just be us. We've had those moments where we've looked in the mirror or been driving our car, and we know that we're the good thing. Right? Just a moment. Put a great, beautiful piece of something on the table. I did that, right? Looking at a whole family, sitting around, active, laughing, sharing. You did the whole meal, right? Allowing in your participation, the fact that you are here, God is here as you. One time only show, never going to happen again. Not, not ever. Your sole purpose. Do I believe it's your sole purpose? Is to become as individual, unique, and authentic as you feel inclined to be. Ernest Holmes, our founder, talks about we are individuated as God. And the deeper we go into our unique preferences our unique inclinations to act for the good, for the better, we become more joy-filled. The less that we cover that up and the more we let ourselves be seen, the better our sense of connection becomes. Not just because people are like, we're drawing to us the people that actually like what we're about, But we're living in in faith and liking what we're about, too. We like how it feels to be us. And there is relief when you start to do that and you find that you haven't blown to a thousand bits, that you're actually intact. So again, um, this loneliness thing is a function of here that we try to fix out there harder than any other thing that could go on with us that's painful. We seek to do that. The answer is to come in. The answer is get curious, try journaling, go for a walk, sit in the discomfort. I promise the loneliness will only kill the person that believes it's separate and not you. When we act from loneliness, that's not us acting, that's our belief. That we're less than whole, perfect, and complete acting. So um, I, it's really important to me to play this uh, video that I found. His name is Josh. I know some of you have seen this. I've seen it many times. I love the way I feel when I see it. And for me, it is the epitome of recognizing your perception and then being in action in the opposite direction of that. Thank you, John.
1: From what I understand, his father passed away, and he would have pictures of him in his locker. Some students thought it would be a good idea to rip down those pictures and harass him and bully him for missing and loving his father.
2: Going through what I went through, you kind of keep to yourself. You don't know who you are or anything. You're just walking through the space, empty space. It's kind of like a a puzzle. You're trying to find your way to the good things in life.
1: No one wants to be bullied. Everyone wants to feel like they mean something to somebody. It's definitely a hard four years of your life, you know?
0: Even like a few words can affect someone so negatively. That means your inner voice too. I'd sit in the
2: cafeteria alone wouldn't talk to anyone, even if people invited me to sit with them. I didn't feel this was my place to be, you know.
3: Coming to a city school, a lot of people said you're just gonna make it worse. I didn't know what else to do for them. So yeah, we just took the jump. I was uh, pretty scared, you know. I kind of thought the, the city experience maybe a bigger high school rather than a small town high school. It just might be better.
2: I hope that attending the school, I would be treated like everyone else. I just wanted to make it and just be a normal kid. I was sick and tired of being a no one. I wanted to be Someone, and I wanted to reach out to people and show who I was. I just remember at first they called him the doorman. They thought he was weird. It was definitely kind of weird. It took a while for
1: people to adjust, but once people realized that he was continuing with it, it almost became something to look forward to in the morning. Like you walk up Thank the you. stairs and you know that Josh Ann's going to be standing there with a big smile on his face, saying good morning. No problem
2: the first few weeks when i started doing it they were kind of shocked good thank you not many people hold doors right but after that people started to open up to me opening a door is more than a physical act it's about putting yourself out there getting to know people making them feel comfortable making them feel welcome Thank you. No problem. Opening doors, it gives people hope, that people care. Uh, I think that was his way of uh, saying I'm here and I'm not going to be invisible anymore.
3: He literally, just by holding doors and saying good morning, he had turned, like, he'd made a drastic change in his life.
1: It was definitely a positive effect. Like, it made people want to do nice things for other people. Like, it was, he set a good example for other students.
3: Everything changed huge. I mean, everyone said it, all the teachers, the students felt it, they, they talked about it, you know, that he, he changed things in the school. And he was a changed, a changed Josh.
1: We were honored to have Josh, very privileged. Any school could, would have benefited.
2: I think Prom King was a way to say thank you from the students and the staff. So when he won, it was like his moment to shine.
1: When we heard Josh Yant's name pulled out, it was like pretty much the whole, everyone should've just ran up there and been Prom King because it felt like
2: everybody won.
3: Yeah, he's standing tall and straight. He's got the big grin on his face and got the crown.
2: I never expected to get an award or anything like that, I guess I, I was just happy enough to make it
3: through. Just one year and things are, are totally turned around, totally. And it would have been fine if the story stopped there. It could have, and it would have been OK. And he still would have been the same person.
2: All right, guys, so now is the moment. Let's all line up to the side of the room. Once we're all lined up quietly, we will head down to the gym.
3: I would have never thought he would be a public speaker because he had been so shy but he took to public speaking like a duck to water he draws them in
1: and it's it's this aura it's this personality that he exudes he's been there and and uh, so they relate to him in that respect
2: when i had heard your story it kind of made me feel like i could be more like myself
3: if it changed the way I thought about things, it changed the way, like, how I felt about myself. I personally think that you shouldn't let, like, what's going on around you affect your personality or the way you act. I think he shows them, just be, be courageous. You know, don't, don't let the bullies get you down, just, you know, fight back in your own way, maybe with a little kindness.
2: It's amazing how, um, guess one simple act can change your whole life. I never thought doing something so simple could be so rewarding.
0: Thank you, John. So how many of you have seen that one before? Wow. Oh, cool. (laughs) So I saw that, that came to mind when I was thinking about what to illustrate uh, being in action around and in spite of or at loneliness. That there is always something that we're inspired to do, smile at someone on an elevator and or compliment someone publicly Think about how many times we might withhold extending goodness towards another human being. And every time we do that, we're putting a little seal on our authenticity. We're putting a little seal on the call to connect. And it's imploding. Enough seals, enough closed spaces, that imploding becomes a loneliness, an ache that we keep thinking is out there coming in but is really taking those seals off and coming out. We weren't born to be lonely. It is not a natural state of our original selfhood, which is oneness. So my challenge to you this week is to hold a door open or do some iteration of that. Say the compliment. Give the phone call. And if it makes you nervous, do it. The more nervous it makes you, the more I would say stretch. The thing is, is you're not just doing it for them. While it will benefit them, it is a message to your deep unconscious that you are worthy that the world is worthy of your goodness and that you have a place that no one else can fill and you're done keeping it to yourself. Thank you.